0: We'll be looking at Philippians chapter 1 today, and as you're flipping there, I just want to share with you a little bit on why this is my last Sunday with you. Um, For a few years, I could sense that my calling has been shifting away from teenagers, and I wanted to be very, very clear with you this morning that it is shifting, I am not moving to a higher calling, but a different calling. There are many, many educators in this room that will testify that there are few callings greater than serving with children and with teenagers and with families, and so I do not see that I am moving to a higher calling, but a different calling. I was 21 years old. When I first took my very first youth ministry position, that was 27 years ago. And so I have loved your teenagers and you have loved mine. And so forgive me if I get a little emotional up here because this has been my life's ambition to love your family and to love your children well. Although that is not completely changing, I recognize that God is doing something new with me and with my family. And today is a day of goodbyes, and tomorrow is a new and exciting day. And I am excited that God is doing something different and new. But today, I just miss you. Today, I just miss you. And so as I prayed about what do I share with you and how do I share my heart, because I have to be careful because my heart is deceitful above all else, but I do want to express My love for you, the love that you've expressed to me, what I found in the words of Paul as I so often do in the word of God that he speaks not only to my heart, but he reveals what is inside my heart. And so if you will, we will begin reading in Philippians chapter 1 verse 1. And Paul begins with Paul and Timothy bondservants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Amen. For it is only right for me to feel this way about you all, because I have you in my heart. Since both in my imprisonment and in the defense, confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of grace with me. Amen. For God is my witness, how i long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So today we're going to be looking at what Paul is describing as he describes how he is remembering his friends, remembering the church in Philippi. And we're going to look, he says, my remembrance of you brings joy. And so we're going to be coupling how I feel about you. I'm going to be a little selfish with my illustrations this morning. And I'm going to be talking about us and our lives that we have walked together together. And Paul is remembering very clear details, very specific examples of his relationship with Philippi. And as he did so, it brought him joy. My memories of Indian Creek bring great joy. And we're going to look at three ways that Paul describes that our, mem- uh, of our, our memories of each other should bring joy. First, is when I th- uh, remembrance brings joy when I think of our participation in the gospel. Second, we're going to look at when I see God working in you and when I think about our future hope. So to begin with, we're going to look at what Paul describes as my remembrance of you brings joy when I think of our participation in the gospel. He says, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all. And so I began to think about how we have participated in the gospel over the last 14 years. And I have been with you to St. Augustine, Mexico, to Aurora, Colorado, Galveston, Rockport, Corpus Christi, Santa Fe, St. Louis, Houston, Austin, Duncan, Oklahoma, and Muktahan, Thailand. And there's a few that I may have forgotten. We have been all over the world together. You and I. And we have served Together, we have loved each other. We have loved the world. We loved our community. I remember going to Mexico. I was talking to a friend of mine. I won't embarrass any of you by calling your name out of here, but we were talking to a good friend of mine this just this past week, and I was reminded how in Mexico... Uh, We went down there for a trip and we had teenagers and adults and parents and we had to dig a ditch from the road to the orphanage. We were building an orphanage and we ran out of shovels and we took an old, it was clean, but we took an old piece of sewer pipe and all took turns squatting into sand trying to scoop the sand out. And it seemed to fill the hole in as quickly as we scooped it out. I remember... I remember aurora colorado where we went and the teenagers we just we did a vacation bible school in the park and we served all day and we played football and we we knocked on doors and in that evening after presenting the gospel all day and some of you will remember this as well there was a spontaneous dance party that broke out in the parking lot just as a celebration for what god had done that day i remember going to rockport multiple times we went to Rockport, and I remember going to Rockport, and we worked hard on a roof after Hurricane Harvey. And I'll never forget, at the end of that week, it was up there. and you know, It was, it was a hot week, and I remember uh, flipping breakers and all kinds of problems we were having because nothing worked right after Hurricane Harvey. And I remember at the end of that week, as we were getting ready to leave, and we were praying over that lady who lived in that house, and she sang a song of worship for us. I remember walking through Illinois and knocking on church, on doors, inviting people to a brand new church and a block party we were having. we did that in many places. I remember going to Thailand. I remember one of our group bought this most absurd white outfit with some sort of a dragon thing on it. The second time he wore it, it had shrunk. I remember being so sick from jet lag, sitting in the swamps of the church in Bangkok and eating this most horrible soup, and we were so hungry that we ate it anyway. I remember standing in the swamps of swamp of Bangkok, and over a little tiny canal, there was where a woman who had no land and no money. She had waded through these canals with the monitor lizards and the crocodiles, and she'd gather what little bit of scrap she could and driftwood she could, and she built a little tiny hut, maybe five by five feet of place for her to sleep, over the water because she didn't own the land, and stood there in the mud and the sewer and witnessed and saw her come to know Christ. I remember <laughs> many trips to Muktahan, where I am still amazed Where the uh, schools open wide their doors to a group of teenagers and adults from America to come and tell their students about Jesus. As long as we do it in English because we want to work on their English. They didn't care. You can tell them whatever you want to about Jesus. It's a cultural exchange and we would present the gospel openly and honestly. I remember local service projects here to Mineral Wells where we docked door to door here sharing Christ with people. I remember a park park ministries. We've served in both of our parks here in town and we had bounce houses and we just would stand and witness to anybody who came. I remember Mission Mineral Wells where we would spent weeks weeks in a row walking through neighborhoods and knocking on doors and praying with people and repairing projects in their home and Sharing Christ with all that would listen. I remember uh, serving local charities. We have several here in town that we've served at. We've sorted clothes and and, and we've arranged things and worked in their stores. I remember when Bounce Student Zester came and we repaired roofs right here in Minner Wells. I still find myself driving through those neighborhoods all these years later and going, I remember being up on that roof. And I've been in your homes. Some of you, I've helped you repair your roof, and I've helped you with your yards. And, and we have presented the gospel to each other in your homes and in mine. I remember weekly ministries where I want to, and the emphasis is to pour as much Scripture into our children as they can contain and the hopes that the Holy Spirit will speak truth to them through the word of God and take hold and bring salvation as they develop and grow. I remember many Wednesday nights in the youth ministry, the ministry we call the Creek, where the primary purpose is to reach their lost friends. And we present the gospel week after week after week after week because we desire that the gospel go forth into our community. I remember many, many outreach opportunities, fifth quarters and events for the youth ministry. Sunday mornings, our Sunday school teachers are so, so very faithful. Some of you have been serving longer than I have. After all these years. I remember your baptisms. and Today we'll get to celebrate with another baptism. I remember when many of you came to know Christ. And many of you remember when my children came to know Christ and were baptized right up in here. So as we talk about sharing the gospel... And as Paul says, that brings joy in view of your participation of the gospel, this is very personal to all of us, because we have participated together in the gospel. Now there is a probability that someone here is a little vague on what the gospel is. So we're going to take just a moment. We're going to make sure you understand what it means when we talk about sharing the gospel. We have all told lies. It's a good example. I have lied, and if you're honest, you have lied. And if you can't admit that you've lied, well, then you're lying now. (laughs) And because of this, this, this is considered rebellion against God when we lie, when we steal, when we cheat, when we walk our own way. The Bible calls that sin. And so as a result of the sin in our life, God is a good judge. The punishment for sin has always been death, and not just physical death, that's part, that's half, but a separation from God for all eternity. When we look at God, and by the action of our life, we go, God, I'm going to do it my own way, thank you very much. He says, I'm going to let you. And as a result, we get to do our own way for all eternity. But when we cross over that barrier of death, doing it our own way is not a happy way. is a place for those who do not desire to be in his presence. It's a place called hell. And because he is a righteous and a just judge, that punishment must be administered. And so, because I have lied, because I have stolen, because I have cheated, because I have done all these things, and you have too then stored up for me is punishment upon punishment upon punishment because God is a righteous God and a just judge. But this is where I need you to really hang with me because God is not fair. He is just. And justice will be administered, but God is not a fair judge. God, what is fair is for me to be punished. What is fair is for His wrath to be poured out upon me. And what happened instead is God chose to send His only Son to live a life without sin because He's God. And when He died, He chose to die upon the cross. Death was not His. He did not earn it. I earned it. And as a result... If I am willing to receive Him, if I'm willing to believe upon His name, surrender my life to Him, then that judgment falls upon Christ at the cross and not upon me. And so, Jesus, three days later, do not be mistaken. Three days later, Jesus rose from the dead because he never earned death. He defeated death as a result. He never earned it. He defeated death. And as a result, when we surrender to him, when we receive him and believe in his name, we receive his life within us through the form of the Holy Spirit. And though we may die physically, we will never, never die what the Bible calls the second death, and we were ushered instantly into the presence of a holy, righteous, just God who administered justice and poured His wrath out upon Jesus Christ and not upon me. And so when we talk about participation in the gospel, we, we have this urgent desire to see that as many people as many people be set free from the judgment that waits all of us as possible. We receive Him. We believe in His name and we walk together in unity and in love because we belong to Him. And so my remembrance of you brings me joy when I think about your participation in the gospel. But as I think of you and I remember you, it also brings me joy when I see that God is working in you. Verse 6, Paul says this. He says, I am very confident. I am confident this very thing that he who began a good work in you will perfect it into the day of Christ Jesus. Now, you're some of your translations. <clears throat> We'll say the word complete, that's probably an easier word for us to understand. Both these words are good words to translate that word into. But complete, the work that God began in me, began in you, will be completed through Christ. What does this completion look like? It's in Second Corinthians, Paul says, We all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with an ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord. Who is the Spirit? So when we receive Christ and we surrender our life, and He begins, He we and I want you to understand, it's not just a matter of I accept Him into my heart and I carry Him in my pocket, which so many in in, in this country believe. It's it's more of receiving Christ to a point that I give up my life. He takes over my life, and from that point forward, the change begins. Now, if you ask me if I sinned this morning, yes, I did but I am ever increasing in glory. I'm ever increasing, becoming more and more and more like Christ. And as we walk this journey of life and we rapidly approach the end, either through death or the, the, the return of Christ, we will find, if we truly belong to Him, that our who we are, our image becomes more and more like Christ, increasing in glory. So we will be completed through God's saving grace. As we change, as we become more like him, Ephesians 2, one of my favorite scriptures says, For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, not by works. This is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. See, grace, grace is the pouring out of God's forgiveness, his blessings, his life upon those of us who do not deserve it. See, sometimes we hear words coming to church and growing up in church. We hear words so much that we don't ever pause to think about what the definition is. Grace is when God pours all of His goodness out, His life and His blessings upon those who can do absolutely nothing to deserve it. We are saved Because God gives us grace through faith. You are completed because you have received God's grace through faith. Faith that was present with Christ when he hung on the cross and said, It is finished. And he was dying on the cross. He said, It is finished. God's wrath fell upon Christ and not upon us. His wrath was satisfied. That kind of faith. Faith that the resurrection of Jesus on the third day is a promise of my resurrection. Faith that the work performed on the cross by Jesus applies to me and applies to you. It's not just some ancient historical event that occurred or may not have occurred. It is a real event. It's the pivotal point of all of history, and it applies to you. Will you receive it? Will you accept it? And so we are saved by grace through faith. For we are God's handiwork. Some translations say masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Many places Paul uses the word sanctification... It's another one of those words we hear throughout church life, and and sometimes we get a little muddled on what that means. Sanctification is that ongoing process where a believer becomes more and more like Jesus. Oh, I'm, I'm saved. I'm forgiven. That occurred on the cross, and I receive it at a point. But after that, we find that there's an ongoing process of growth and change, we call that sanctification. And the reason you're going David, why are you giving me these big words? Because it's in the Bible. And you're going to come across that. If you read more than just two or three pages in the New Testament, you're going to find the word sanctification. So let's wrap our mind around that definition because that's, that's so important that we get it. Philippians 1, 6, Paul says, you will be perfect until the day of Christ Jesus. You will be perfected Completed, And our sanctification is working itself out. And you will finally be like Jesus when we see him face to face. Either through my death or through the return of Christ. Our perfection, our sanctification will be made complete. Last week, Pastor Jake preached a sermon on one of my favorite chapters in all of scripture. And I teased him. I said, well, I was going to teach on that. I wasn't. I wasn't. Revelation chapter 21. And it is a description of our hope. It's a very detailed description of our future and the place we will live in our relationship with one another. Our relationship with God is the center of of all the universe and all existence. It is the glory of our completion. It is the glory of God's grace. It is the glory of our relationship with God is revealed. Now, if you missed last week, just open up your Bible and read Revelation 21. If you're not familiar with it, you should be. You can find our pastor's sermon, on, it, of course, on the website. I challenge you, go home. Make that one of your favorite chapters. We cannot lose sight of where we are going. Later on in Philippians, Paul writes in chapter 2, he says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will, and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. It does not matter who is in this pulpit or in the youth ministry position or any other leadership position in the church. Now, that does matter. I want to clarify that. That does matter. But what, but what Paul is stating here, whether I am with you, Pastor Jake is with you, the elders are with you or not, God himself will work out his good work in you and through you. Are you submitting fully to that? We have to submit fully to God. I've been troubled as this day has approached. It's amazing sometimes you just get up and you've been doing something for so long that you don't, Think about everything that you do. You just kind of do it. And as today has approached, I have found that I have many unfinished projects that I'm not going to have time to finish. I have found that I have unfinished relationships. Unfinished discipleship. my time to move on to a new ministry has come and those things i will not perhaps get to see the completion of with these eyes but here is the promise that verse 6 gives to us and is the holy spirit will complete the work in both you and me that was begun by christ on the cross You and I both will be nurtured and matured as we walk through this life. Our sanctification will be complete. And whether I remain at Indian Creek or I go, I am confident, just like Paul was confident, that God will complete the good work he has begun within you. So Paul gives us three ways that his memory brings him joy. When I think of your participation in the gospel. When I see God working through you and my remembrance of you brings joy. When I think of our future hope. Philippians 1, 7. I hope you're holding your finger there. I didn't ask you to do that. That's where we are today. Paul gets a little emotional and he says, For it is only right for me to feel this way about you all. I've heard some preachers laugh and say this shows that Paul was from the south. You know, from y'all. About... It's only right for me to feel this way about you all because I have you in my heart since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are partakers of grace with me. For God is my witness. How long, how I'll long for you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Paul very clearly missed his brothers and sisters in Christ. And he had a love. There's a love that ties believers together that is unlike any love out in the world Right now, the, in the, I suspect it always has, thousands of years, the world has discussed love and peace and harmony, but there is something that occurs within the church that is very, very unique. In fact, Jesus tells us in John 13 that a new command to give you love one another, as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love. One another. And I want to be very clear. I said earlier that my heart is deceitful above all else. Love is not an emotion. Oh, I can get an emotion from love. And I enjoy the emotion that we call love, but love is not an emotion. If you spend any amount of time with anybody, anybody who's ever been married will tell you that at some point that emotion begins to change and you must choose to love one another. Any teenager I've ever spoken to will acknowledge that there have been times they did not feel happy about their love for their parents. And if you remember back when you were a teenager, there were times that you had very conflicting emotions about your parents, and I'm putting it very politely. But I still love my mom and dad, and you do too. You and I have been together long enough Those first few years that they call the honeymoon have been gone so long that I barely remember it. And many of you have come since then. And we get those moments where we're serving side by side and my emotional love for you wells up. And there have been many times where you and I just simply chose to love each other and we loved out of a deeper love, out of a love that is only granted by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus is talking about when he says, love one another. Amen. Love is not fickle. Love does not change. as Depending on how I feel today, the love of the Holy Spirit, the love that we should have for each other is enduring through hardship. So, Paul is emotional, prays for their love. We also find that he prays for their knowledge and discernment. Verse 9, that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge, all discernment. Why? So that you may approve what is excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ. And the glory and praise of God. Knowledge and discernment. Jesus, John 16 puts it this way. He says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is to yet to come. Our source of this knowledge, our source of discernment always, always, always comes from the word of God. And any knowledge that contradicts that Word of God, as Paul says, is not real knowledge. The Bible contains all we need to live a life faithful to God. It doesn't tell me how to change the alternator on a car. It doesn't tell me how to do mathematical equations. But the things that matter, how to live with you and how... You to live with me, how to live with the lost world, how to walk this journey, how to be walked through our sanctification, the Word of God gives us. And the Holy Spirit will always speak things that agree with the Word of God. And God prays, or Paul prays, for this biblical knowledge. And why does Paul pray? For them to increase in love and knowledge? Because Indian Creek, I want you to continue to be sincere. And blameless to bear spiritual fruit. Paul writes a very similar letter to the church at Colossae. And he says that we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with knowledge. There's that word again. Of his will and all spirit wisdom and understanding. So you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects. Bearing fruit, every good work increasing in the knowledge of God. This is God, this is Paul's constant prayer for the church. Spiritual fruit is produced in our lives as we learn to walk in love for God's people. There is no place there is no place for a believer to walk outside of God's church. There is no place For one of God's believers to walk outside of God's church. Now there are many circumstances that would lead someone to leave a church or to be in a transition. But if you've stopped transitioning, if someone has stopped pursuing a relationship with other believers, they are outside of God's will. If you're uncomfortable with the church structure, walk down the street, they're structured differently. We are to be walking in love for each other, walking and pursuing each other, and the fruit of our, the fruit of our lives, the fruit of the spirit within us, walk in love for God's people, and we pursue knowledge and wisdom through the Word of God. See, the church is where we live out our life. I don't want you to misunderstand. There's someone here who this may be your first time or you're testing this church or you're testing God to see if this is a religion that you may be interested in this isn't a religion it's but a relationship. And I want you to be I want to be very clear with you. I have tried to portray Indian Creek with fond memories because I have fond memories. But I remember disagreements. And I remember arguments, and I remember going home with hurt feelings, and you do too. We're family. We're family. And just because somebody says something thoughtless or even cruel to me does not does not mean that I get to just stop loving you because love is not bound up in my emotion. Love is bound up in the power of the Holy Spirit and the ability to choose to love you. And so, how do we respond to this message? If you do not belong to Jesus Christ, I am begging you. I am begging you. Consider receiving Christ today. We would love to give you more information. You can just cry out to Jesus he will teach you. Open the Word. Begin reading. I, Gospel of John will help you. Pastor Jake would love to help walk you through what does it mean to surrender your entire life to Jesus. Begin walking in this newness and be a part of this church. If you're looking for a church, consider Indian Creek as you pray. We are not perfect, and that's why I pointed that out. I don't want you joining Indian Creek and going, wait a minute. That, that person ignored me in Walmart. What's that all about? We are not perfect, and we're not going to pretend to be perfect. I'm telling you, Indian Creek knows how to love. And this is a great church to begin to grow and to walk through this sanctification process that God has for us. I want you to hear this above all else. As I leave, it is my desire for you to hear that I love you. And it has been an honor to serve the majority of my youth ministry years right here at Ending Creek Baptist Church, and it hurts me to leave. But God has very clearly called me on, and I am excited about the next opportunity, but I will miss you just as Paul missed the church in Phil So years ago when I began to learn to pray, and if you've not learned how to do this, then we're going to do a little activity this morning. I want you to, if you've closed it, open your Bible to Philippians chapter 1. And we're going to do a little activity together, and we're going to pray in accordance with Scripture. The Scripture is not a list of promises that we force God to obey, but it is a description of what He desires for us. And so we're going to walk through and pray in agreement with Paul. As we close up our service today. And so, Father, I do want to thank you for Ending Creek and the testimony that she has here in Mineral Wells and America throughout the planet, the, the ministry that has been served here. I thank you the way that Ending Creek has loved me and my family. For the relationship that we have that we'll step into eternity as we read about it in Revelation twenty-one. I pray, Lord, that you will increase their desire for prayer, that you will increase the joy of the members as the church. I pray, Lord, that they will continue to have an ever-increasing participation in the gospel and not just to declare the gospel, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, that we will begin to see lives change. We want to see a new awakening here in Mineral Wells. We want to see the church explode with new believers. I pray that you continue to work out their sanctification and continue to change them individually so they become more and more like you. And Lord, we know that churches also have personalities. And so, Lord, we pray that Indian Creek will continue to grow and that she will develop your likeness. And when people think of this church out on the edge of town by the river, they go, there's something different about that church. They just pray. They just love well. Lord, I thank you for the love that these these believers have for each other. I thank you for the way Indian Creek has received your grace. Without it, we wouldn't be a church. Without your grace, we would all be lost and destined for hell. Lord, I pray that they increase in their love and understanding, knowledge of the word, so they can stand firm. Increase their discernment and wisdom so they may know how to make choices as they move through the next few 10, 20, 100 years as a church that you grant and increase wisdom and discernment. I pray that they are able to approve what is excellent. That you remind them daily of their hope of the resurrection that is our only hope resurrection, that there is more than this life, that there is more than just trudging through this world. Lord, you have promised us resurrection, and by yours, you have sealed it. Lastly, Lord, I pray that you give them the fruit of righteousness through Jesus Christ. The ending creek will continue to bear spiritual fruit through Christ, leading to righteousness. Thank you, Lord, because you are so, so good to us. And you pour out so much grace upon us that we do not deserve. It's the name of our King that we submit to, Jesus Christ.